listening to Nightlight. Hi and welcome to another edition of Nightlight. About eight months ago, a gentleman from the US called Jeff emailed me, asked if I would record some classic devotionals for him to post on his website. Jeff researches, somehow manages to find devotionals by men of God from bygone years, many of them contemporaries of Charles Spurgeon, Dwight L. Moody, you know, from the 19th century. And then Jeff posts the devotionals daily on his website, Grace Gems. I'll give you the address at the end of the program. Well, so far, I've recorded about a hundred of these, and I'd like to share some of them with you on Nightlight today. Now, most of these authors you probably have never heard of, at least I hadn't, but it'd be fun to Google them and see what information there is about them. And so this is going to be a very devotional edition of Nightlight, and to beautifully complement these readings, I'm going to play some classic hymns from Christy Gibson's album called Blessed Assurance. I think we'll have one song and then two devotionals like that. Praise the Lord. So, enjoy. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, Purchase of God Born of His Spirit Washed in His blood This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior Day long, this is my story. 
What is Heaven? by Octavius Winslow Beloved, what is Heaven? What is the final glory of the saints? It is the best place, the richest inheritance provided by the Father for the people ransomed and redeemed by the precious blood of His dear Son. And when we enter there, we shall enter as children welcome to a Father's home. It will be the best that God can give us. He will bestow upon us, who deserved the least, the best in his power to bestow. The best saviour, the best robe, the best banquet, the best inheritance. In heaven there will be nothing more to taint, nothing more to sully, nothing more to embitter, nothing more to wound, no serpent to beguile, no Eve to ensnare, no spoiler to destroy, no sin to defile, no adversity to sadden, no misunderstanding to alienate, no tongue to defame, no suspicion to chill, no tear, no sickness, no death, no parting. It will be the best part of the pure, radiant, glorified universe which God will assign to His redeemed people. Let the prospect cheer, sanctify, and comfort you. It will not be long that you are to labor and battle here on earth. It is but a little while that you are to occupy your present sphere of conflict, of trial, and of sorrow. The time is coming, oh, how fast it speeds. Soon the Lord Jesus Christ will bring you home to heaven. In my Father's house are many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. Bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Nightlight. There is no darker sin than ingratitude by Alexander Smelly 
from the Hour of Silence, 1899. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Luke chapter 17, verse 17. Only one leper returned to give God thanks. Nine continued on their way, unmindful, ungrateful. And why was that? Perhaps they knew the danger of committing themselves to Jesus, knew that he was narrowly watched and suspected, knew that even to receive a cure from him was in itself an offense to many. My Lord, I seek grace not to be so cowardly. Perhaps they were afraid that now the Master would have a claim upon them and would begin to press that claim. He who had given them their health might demand their loyalty, and they were not ready to yield it. My Lord, I would be more consecrated than they. Perhaps they were seized with the wish to mix with the world, to go back to its affairs, to play their part in its business. They were impatient of delays which detained them from the promotion of their own interests. My Lord, I would learn to hate such selfishness. Perhaps they thought that they had only got what was their due. They thought that the loathsome disease was an injustice and a grievance, and health was their right, and they need not be profoundly grateful. Ah, my Lord! Teach me to watch against this self-conceit and pride. Perhaps they told themselves that their benefactor was no longer necessary to them. The pressure of urgent need was past, and its disappearance makes a vast difference. My Lord, let me never forget your untold benefits. There is no darker sin than ingratitude. I entreat you, Lord Jesus, to save me from it. And you're listening to a special devotional edition of Nightlight. Listening to devotionals from men of God from a bygone era. Praise the Lord. Let's have a break for another beautiful hymn from Christy Gibson. Then we'll be back with a couple more. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise His name, I'm fixed upon it Name of Thy unchanging love Bind my wandering 
Pleasures are often curses in disguise. By John Macduff, from Ripples in the Twilight, 1885. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, "Oh, that you would bless me indeed!" So God granted him what he requested. First Chronicles chapter four, verse ten. There is much apparent good, not worth calling by the name. What the world speaks of as blessings are, some of them, often worthless, and many of them positively evil and detrimental. They are counterfeits; they do not bear upon them the coinage and currency of heaven. Satan has disguised them, stamped them as true metal, while they are base alloy. Let us leave our blessings and the method of their bestowal. With the giver of every good and perfect gift, into His hand, committing our earthly all, with this prayer of intense fervor yet of simple faith, oh that you would bless me indeed! I want nothing which the world calls a blessing, unless you think it proper for me. I want no shadows, no baubles. I do not ask for riches; they may be a snare to me. I do not ask for the cup running over, the barns full, the fig tree blossoming, the home nest without the thorn. These might alienate me from yourself and bind me only closer to earth. I want blessings indeed, God of Israel. I am no judge of this. Whatever you give will be a true blessing to me, and even if you take it away. I will strive to believe that the dark, painful dealing is your kindness to me also. Yes, we repeat, the world's pleasures are often curses in disguise, like Cleopatra's viper, which was hidden in a basket of flowers. There is often an adder lurking in the bed of roses, a fly in the ointment, poison in the wine cup. But the blessings of God are blessings bearing His own divine seal and signature. They may come in frowning providences, in baffling dispensations, in strokes of the chastening rod. For the present, they may seem not joyous but grievous. But I am content to be in His hands, joyful or sorrowful, in health or in sickness, living. Or dying, oh my Father, give your own blessing, and I shall bow my head in submission, for I can only hear in it accents of paternal love. Closer to God, you're listening to Nightlight.
The Omnipotent Savior by James Smith The love of Christ, the fullness, freeness, and immutability of the Savior's grace displayed. The love of Jesus for his people is armed with divine power for the execution of its purposes and the fulfillment of its designs. It will perform all its good pleasure, but in the most judicious and prudent way. Divine love will not be conquered. None can effectually resist its sweet omnipotence when it is exerted, nor are any disposed to find fault when they feel its omnipotent sweetness. Christ's omnipotent love for his people reaches its objects when at the greatest distance from God raises them from the pit of destruction, plucks them as brands from the fire, delivers them from the power of darkness, and translates them into his blessed eternal kingdom. Christ's omnipotent love for his people restores the backslidden believer from his wanderings, extricates the erroneous believer from the labyrinths of error, preserves the tempest-tossed believer from dashing upon the rocks of destruction, supports the heavenly traveller on his rugged way, and guides the pilgrims of Zion by its strength to his holy habitation. Christ's omnipotent love for his people never varies, and it cannot fail. Every object of the dying love of Jesus is addressed in the language of inspiration. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Weakness may be felt, and the soul may be ready to faint, but divine love says, I will strengthen you, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. We may come up out of the wilderness, leaning upon the omnipotent arm of a Saviour's love. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 5. And exclaim, Though an army besiege me, my heart shall not fear. God is my refuge and strength, my ever-present help in times of trouble. I need 
Thomas Dick from The Solar System, 1774 to 1857. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. A survey of the solar system has a tendency to moderate the pride of man and to promote humility. Pride is one of the distinguishing characteristics of puny man and has been one of the chief causes of all the contentions, wars, devastations, systems of slavery and sinful projects which have desolated and demoralized our sinful world. Yet there is no disposition more incongruous to the character and circumstances of man. Perhaps there are no rational beings throughout the universe among whom pride would appear more unfitting or incompatible than in man, considering the situation in which he is placed. He is exposed to numerous degradations and calamities, the rage of storms and tempests, the devastations of earthquakes and volcanoes, the fury of whirlwinds, the tempestuous billows of the ocean, 
the ravages of the sword, famine, pestilence, and numerous diseases. And at length he must sink into the grave, and his body must become the companion of worms. The most dignified and haughty of men are liable to these and similar degradations, as well as the lowest of the human family. Yet in such circumstances, man, the puny worm of dust, whose knowledge is so limited and whose follies are so numerous and glaring, has the effrontery to strut in all the haughtiness of pride and to glory in his shame. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. When other arguments and motives produce little effect on certain minds, no considerations seem likely to have a more powerful tendency to counteract this deplorable propensity to pride in human beings than those which are borrowed from the objects connected with astronomy. They show us what an insignificant being, what a mere atom, indeed, man appears amidst the immensity of creation. What is the whole of this globe on which we dwell compared with the solar system, which contains a mass of matter millions times greater? What is this earth in comparison to the millions of suns and worlds which have been scattered throughout the starry regions? Could we take our station on the lofty pinnacles of heaven and look down on this scarcely distinguishable speck of earth, we would be ready to exclaim with Seneca, Is it to this little spot that the great designs and vast desires of men are confined? to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. And I hope you're enjoying this special devotional edition of Nightlight, listening to classic devotionals from men of God from bygone years. Praise the Lord. Treasures365.com is the address of our devotional website where you'll find a variety of both classic and modern daily devotionals. So you're welcome to go there. It's at www.treasures365.com. All right, well, we have some more beautiful devotionals as well as beautiful hymns sung by Christy Gibson from her album, Blessed Assurance. For a world of 
Jonathan Edwards. Humility may be defined to be a habit of mind and heart corresponding to our unworthiness and vileness before God. 
with the disposition to a behavior consistent thereto. A truly humble man is sensible of the small extent of his knowledge, the great extent of his ignorance, and his utter spiritual weakness. He is sensible of his natural distance from God, of his dependence upon him, of the insufficiency of his own power and wisdom, that it is by God's power that he is upheld and provided for, that he needs God's wisdom to lead and guide him, and that he needs his might to enable him to live a holy life. The man who is under the influence of a humble spirit is content with such a situation as God is pleased to allot him, is not greedy for honor or fame, and does not strive to appear exalted above his neighbors. Humility tends also to prevent an arrogant and domineering behavior. On the contrary, humility disposes a person to a condescending behavior to the vilest and lowest, and to treat inferiors with courtesy and affability, as being sensible to his own despicableness before God. If we then consider ourselves as the followers of the meek and lowly and crucified Jesus, we shall walk humbly before God and man all the days of our life on earth. Know God. Confess your nothingness before Him. Distrust yourself. Rely only on Christ. Renounce all glory except for Him. Yield yourself heartily to His will and service. Avoid an aspiring, ambitious, ostentatious, domineering, arrogant, scornful, stubborn, willful, self-justifying behavior, and strive for more and more of the humble spirit that Christ manifested while he was on earth. Humility is the most essential and distinguishing trait in all true piety. Earnestly seek then, and diligently and prayerfully cherish a humble spirit, and God shall walk with you here below, and soon shall present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Jude 1 verse 24 Free, rich, glorious grace from Anne Dutton's Letters on Spiritual Subjects. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. What? Did the Lord of all love us 
and give himself for us. For us creatures, for us sinners, for rebels against his crown, for his enemies and for haters of his ways, who deserved to be companions with devils and were fit fuel for everlasting burnings. O oh, free, rich, glorious grace! What could the King of glory see in us to attract his love? Were we not the most loathsome, abominable objects in his sight? And yet we, even we, found grace in his sight. Oh, he loved us freely from the infinite grace of his own heart and the sovereign good pleasure of his will. And he so loved us that rather than we should die, he himself would die for us, that rather than we should perish in our guilt and pollution, he himself, his righteous, holy self, would bear our sins, be made a curse for us, and endure all the flaming wrath that we had deserved. Oh, never was there such a lover as our dear Lord Jesus. Oh, glorious lover! He ever lives, he ever loves, and from his love and life he will raise us from all sin and misery unto all grace and glory and crown us with him to reign in life eternal. And in all he will rejoice over us to do good with his whole heart and with his whole soul. Yes, he will delight to honor us to lift us beggars from the ash heap, to set us among princes, and to make us inherit the throne of glory. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Oh, free, rich, glorious, Grace. with me 
and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound
Tender Kisses by Frank Hall Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2 Of all the relationships that we as believers share with our blessed Saviour, perhaps none is more intimate and comforting than that of marriage. Jesus has betrothed us to himself in holy matrimony and covenant grace. We are his beloved bride, the apple of his eye, the darling of his heart, and he is the gracious husband of our immortal souls. We are, by sovereign grace, forever one with Jesus, our husband. Oh, what a glorious privilege it is to be joined to Jesus in the blessed bond of marriage. He loves me. He cares for me. He defends and protects me. He provides for my every need. He comforts, supports, and cherishes me. I have his heart, and he has mine. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. I belong to him, and he belongs to me. Oh, that my beloved would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, that he would embrace my soul, draw me to himself, caress my heart ever so gently with his merciful touch, and grant me sweet tokens of his love for me. Oh, how I long for him to express his love and affection to me with the tender kisses of sovereign love, free grace, immutable faithfulness, and undying compassion. For his love is better than wine. Wine makes glad the heart, but his love is better than the finest wine. His love causes my broken heart to rejoice, renews my strength, brightens my vision, causes me to walk uprightly in the paths of righteousness, and moves my heart to take flight through the heavens with wings as an eagle. Excess wine intoxicates men and is forbidden by God. Too much wine will ruin a man. It alters the state of men's minds, seizes control of men, dulls their senses, and destroys their ability to exercise sound judgment and reason. But Jesus' love is better than wine. It is not possible to overindulge in the intoxicating love of Jesus, nor is it forbidden. Indeed, the gospel encourages love to Jesus. The wine of his love doesn't ruin men, it transforms them. His love for us invigorates our love for him, intoxicating our hearts, seizing control of them, overpowering our wills and our senses, giving us sound reason and spiritual judgment. Oh, blessed Lord, we beg you, give us this wine, fill our cups full, cause them to overflow. Pour into our hearts the intoxicating love of Jesus the Lord. The desire of a believer's soul can be summed up in one word, Jesus. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire beside you. Psalm 73 verse 25 We desire him, his person, 
His love, His glory, His grace, His will, His salvation, His righteousness, His way. All we want is in Jesus. All we need is in Jesus. All we have is in Jesus. Jesus is all, and Jesus is better. Better than the treasures of kings. Better than all earthly possessions. Better than passing pleasures and prestige. Indeed, he is better than all earthly delights combined. If we don't have Jesus, then we have nothing. If we have him, then we have everything. Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find. Shining Love's Light. You're listening to Nightlight. Altogether Lovely. From Solitude Sweetened by James Makel. 1730 to 1799. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. Why does the world reject the wondrous Saviour? Why do they abhor him who is altogether lovely, and hate him who is the best friend of sinners? O men of the world! What good can you desire which is not in Christ? The excellencies of earth are but his footstool. The excellencies of heaven are but his throne. How excellent, then, must he himself be? His treasures are infinite and open for you. In Jesus are riches if you are poor, honor if you are despised, friendship if you are forsaken, help if you are injured, mercy if you are miserable, joy if you are disconsolate, protection if you are in danger, deliverance if you are a captive, life if you are mortal, and all things if you have nothing at all. Time and eternity are His, and He can give you all the glorious things of eternity. Moreover, he can deliver you from all your fears, from sin, the worst of all evils, from self, the most hurtful of all companions, from death, the most dreadful of all changes, from Satan, the most subtle of all enemies, from hell, the most horrible of all prisons, and from wrath, the most horrifying doom of all sinners. Now, where will you find such a one as Jesus? Why then refuse life and seek after death and damnation? All heaven is enamored with his beauty. The longer we look on created gaieties, the leaner and less lovely they grow. 
so that by the time we have viewed them 40, 50 or 60 years, we see nothing but vanity in the creature. But when 10,000 ages are employed in beholding the perfection and beauty of Jesus, he still appears more and more lovely, even altogether lovely. Alas, I can say nothing of his true excellencies. They overwhelm my laboring thought and are too vast for my feeble conception to bring forth.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that selection from around 100 devotionals I recorded for Jeff Guild, who has a website at gracegems.org, where he posts a variety of devotionals written by men of God from bygone years. His web address again is www.gracegems.org if you want to check it out. And Jeff has given me permission to post these devotionals on our own website, so we'll be soon posting them at www.treasures365.com. That's it for now. I'll be back next time with another edition of Nightlight. God bless you. See you then. Nightlight. What a delight.